Welcome to the New Wild Review, Season 2, Episode 2, Humane Solutions, Part 1. In this episode, we'll present the first half of a roundtable discussion about Humboldt Wildlife Care Center's Humane Solutions Program for dealing with conflicts between our human and our wild neighbors. Participating in this discussion will be Lucinda Adamson, HWCC's Assistant Rehabilitation Manager, Brooke Brown, Rehabilitator and our Humane Solutions Tech, and Nora Chapman, Rehabilitator and member of the Bird Ally X Board of Directors. Join us for a sometimes painful, sometimes hysterical, candid conversation about the aches and the achievements of our work keeping wild families together. Yeah, those were the good old days. So um, we're sitting here uh, at Humble Wildlife Care Center with uh, Brooke Brown, our Humane Solutions Tech, and Lucinda Adamson, Assistant Rehab Manager, and Nora Chapman, Rehabilitator and member of the Bird Ally X Board. And uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk um, mostly about. Um, a program that we have that we call Humane Solutions, and basically, it's a uh, it's more than non-lethal. It's actually an attempt to show respect to the animals who may have taken up residence in somebody's home, and uh, those people want them out, and we're going to help them get get them out without uh, disrupting the life of the wild animal or the wild family more than necessary. And uh, obviously, leaving them alone is great and stuff like that. But sometimes there are people who, if we don't do it, then they're going to call in a trapper. So that's what we're talking about: our Humane Solutions program, and um, and that's it. I mean, except for the part where we talk about it. So uh, just in order to make this go super easy, I did break up the. Um, day into puppets. <laughs> into puppets. This is Hello, I'm notebook man. <laughs> Can we stress relieving raccoon and skunk puppets out? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. um we're going to be talking about uh you know some of the frustrations, um common misconceptions, uh what calls are actually enjoyable, why the program is even important to begin with, and um, and then there's a surprise topic at the end, where you. But in that topic, you are bestowed with a magic wand, so that will should be fun. Yeah. So um, when we go out to a house to investigate the problem, um, sometimes, you know, if, if, if the homeowner or the apartment dweller or whatever cannot 
uh, permit the Wild family to finish out the den portion of raising their babies there undisturbed and then fix the problem after they've gone. Then the next thing that we would do would be to basically, as we mentioned, uh, is convince the mother to move the babies on her own. And a mother raccoon will do that. Um, we don't really do this with skunks because skunks don't typically use people's houses as a den site. Mm-hmm. They might use people's houses in the winter as shelter or just or as a highway under it if they, you know, it's a <clears throat> yeah. it's a it, it's a covered route to get from one place to another mm-hmm. that you don't have to worry about a uh, owl getting you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's almost almost all of our mammal calls are raccoon. But when we get there, the Convincing a raccoon mom to leave the den basically is putting in the sounds of human voices with talk radio and lighting it so that it's no longer um, the cover of darkness. Those work, but the lights do have to be set up well, and the radio does have to, you have to commit to it. You can't be like, I'm only turning the radio on when I'm at work because I can't stand the sound of it because you have to be when the raccoons are active. So these are all things that we do, and we're very successful at it. We have never been like, sorry, these guys are staying. You're on your own. We've never, that's never happened. We don't charge for it because, A, not everybody has the same means, and B, it's a part of our mission. And we raise money for our mission by asking the entire community to support that mission, not by asking individuals to support it because they have a need. Because wildlife and the impacts that ha- that our society has on them are all of our responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to make one person responsible for the costs of doing it. So that, that's why we don't. It's Maybe other organizations may have a different way of going about it. That's fine for them, but that's just how it feels here. And also, nobody will ever say no to us because of the cost. Yeah, yeah. and that way it's available to everyone. Mm-hmm. Every like, person. Yeah, you yes. can't afford it? Oops, sorry. Like humane solutions Deal with it yourself. Conservation effort. Mm-hmm. And also, it's less expensive for us to do humane solutions at no charge than it is to care about what you were saying with the, all the raccoons that we get in the spring and summertime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, Humane Solutions isn't just when babies are involved. That's just when the season is the heaviest. Yeah. Yes. It can I mean, happen like, at right, any point. Right, right. You, yeah. How many calls have you gone out on this month? I'd have to look at my notebook. But, but no, it's no. like, what is it, February 8th? Uh, two, two or three? I think two in right. February. It's not baby season. No. Um... Just going and helping people deal with wild animals on their property is part of it. And that could be deer, that could be bear, that could be wild turkeys, it could be whatever. And it's like helping people solve the problem. Like when it's not babies especially, the problem is always going to be you're providing them a reason to be here. Mm -hmm. And that reason has to be eliminated for them to move on. And if you shoot or trap your way out of that, all you're doing is creating a space that another animal's going to move in. It's just creating a different kind of problem. Mm -hmm. And you're introducing chaos. Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, you're... Then you have to... You're having to deal with more because now you're not just having to, like, convince a mom to leave or convince an individual to leave. Now you're... You have to physically remove them and then... And everything that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then now you don't have... You know, it's like... Now you had one individual there, and now you know you've opened up that space. 
and now maybe you have multiple individuals mm-hmm, causing mm-hmm. more damage and having territorial disputes in your yard mm-hmm. because they're trying to figure out who's getting that new territory. Mm-hmm. And so the one skunk who is only digging in this one corner of your garden is now three skunks and a raccoon <laughs> tearing up your whole garden. <laughs> Introducing chaos. The thing that jumped to my mind was, you know, the, you know, like when when the family is stable, there's fewer babies. When the family is unstable, because you're out of harmony with nature, taking individuals out, then everything goes crazy. Mm -hmm. Disrupting the ecosystem. Like how farmers have in the olden days had like huge families because you don't know if everyone's going to survive, so you have more kids. To keep the farm going. <laughs> oh, I thought that they were just making farm hands. That too. <coughs> Takes ten people to run this farm. <laughs> We've only got five. <laughs> okay. We went out thinking we were doing a rescue. There was a raccoon, they thought, stuck in their attic. And it like was in the attic through this, like, there was a window that had been left open, but there was nothing really around the window that anyone could have climbed into, they thought, and then had went through this little hole and then was, like, in this weird void in the attic. And we were like, okay, how are we going to get this raccoon out? We can't get in there. Like, they, they're like, he's been in there for so long, and he's making all... And then as we were leaving, like, to go get some materials and try to figure out, you know, come to talk to you, Monty, and be like, how are we going to rescue this raccoon? This was many, many years ago. Um... Right as we were leaving, she mentioned that she was hearing these sounds above her bed. And we were just like, we both just froze and looked up and we're like, what kind of sounds? And she described this kind of almost purring, kind of chortling, like chirping sound. And we're like, oh, it's babies. <laughs> you, it's, it's not a mom stuff. That's, that's a mom with, with babies up there. Mm-hmm. And then everything made more sense. And I think, I think she was uh, willing to especially because of the t- amount of time that, that it had already been occurring. She left then. It's one of the nice things about the sounds of babies. Yeah, because you're halfway there already. Basically. Mm-hmm. And that's, you're, and that's when, as soon as I say, oh, I'm hearing the babies, you're, I, I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier to sell you on yeah. leaving them alone until they're they like, leave. guess what? They've been there for at least four weeks. And they're like, no way, they just moved in. I'm like, nope. nope. <laughs> no, they just got their vocal cords. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when people start seeing scum babies in the backyard, and they're like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, they're going to be gone tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. Like, you, you, you've, you've passed it. Once they're out, they're out. <laughs> yeah. It's, you're too late for revenge. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brooke, what's the best, what's the easiest to deal with? Attic raccoons or bathtub raccoons? Attic. They're more inclined to leave, I think, just because it's not as good of a den. Right, yeah. Not as safe. It's more open. Yeah, once, uh, one, I think that they're more likely to see you. I don't think I've ever seen a mom properly peeking her head out of a um, bathtub den, but at least 90% of my attic calls, I've actually seen the mom, if not also the babies, but they always come out and look at me, and I feel like that's the first step to them being like, uh-oh, gotta yeah. go. We're, at it. We're discovered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once I saw a mom uh, in a bathtub it. den, mm. and it was it was a place down in Arcata in the bottoms, and the it was like a rental unit but the homeowner had come and had like 
pre- they had had a year, an issue like a year or two before uh, that we had gone out, and then they were having the issue again because something had else had failed or another vent or I don't know whatever they had the they had the same issue, and so they had the first year they had opened up a section of the outside wall on the outside of the bath bathroom, and so that they could see in, and so he had come and he opened that back up again, and there was the mom with two babies like nursing them, looking at us, and they were so tiny. Mm-hmm. And then the homeowner, or the renters were like, oh, they're so cute. And everyone decided to leave them be and just wait again for another year and let them do their thing and then fix it proper. Now we understand why the Louvre is filled with Madonna and Childs. (laughs) Strong selling point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, those babies were so little too. We're like, if we do, like, we do anything at this point, it's gonna mess stuff up. Mm -hmm. Well, and we don't even know oh, right. because yeah. we probably they. But she could have taken that like she kind of moved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then that would have been her choice at that point, and um, and in a way, you know, it's not that. It seems like it's reasonable to let her know that we know that she's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that she can now make a conscious choice about whether or not she wants to stay when there's motherfuckers knowing where she lives. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I guess I'll edit that out. <laughs> when there's people. No, <laughs> yeah, just well, say people now. So you can people. people. When there's people. <laughs> So what's the most frustrating thing that happens? They don't listen. <sighs> mm. So what, what does that mean? Like, we go there, like on the phone, they don't listen? Or yeah, that's like, bad? Yeah, or they say that they're going to wait until you can get out there. Um, and Or they're not going to mess with them until you go out and get your own eyes on it. And then... Um, and then you get a call almost immediately following saying that they've removed the babies themselves or that they've successfully blocked the mom out and now she's ripping holes into their house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty that's frustrating. That's how we got our first broken babies last year. Mm-hmm. That, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that that's pretty frustrating. Right. Because trying to reunite them after things have gone wrong is... A lot harder than yeah. convincing mom to move them on her own. A lot makes riskier. More problems. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've done that. You know, when the when raccoon, occasionally a mom chooses a really bad location uh, in Eureka. Oh, geez, it must have been eight years ago. The ones that nest denned in the uh, Best Western like Supply yeah, Closet. I've, I remember that every I've time I drive call. that corner, I remember the, that. That mama raccoon. But yeah, you guys Charging took her. Across the road you took us. her over. 
Well, you know, I mean, it does put us in proximity of uh, wild mothers, and then we put them into a point of extremity where they get to display their courage. Mm-hmm. Like running across we, three lanes of Broadway traffic, yeah. or I guess two lanes there. See, we're solving more than just humane solutions problems yeah, here. We're making a map of Eureka. <laughs> it is a map of Eureka, though. You know, Laura and I talk about this all the time, that we have a map of this county that is different than everybody else's. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's where we got that yeah. great blue heron, mm-hmm. and over there is where the skunk was, and down there is yeah. the, where the fawn mm-hmm. was under the tree. And Yeah, and then like crawling, like, you know, under these buildings, under houses, and all these different things, it's like... You like there is a whole different world of like under the city. Not Parallel not universes city. are real. Even, like, tunnels and <laughs> yeah. sewers and stuff. It's like yeah, it's just it's under just houses, under uh-huh. houses yeah. and through bushes and. Mm-hmm. I mean, as kids, we knew that because you know, if we were in a place where there was backyards, we snuck through. Mm-hmm. We had a whole. It was a whole different whole different network of travel yeah. through a neighborhood. Yeah. No, I'd drive to work in the morning when I was I was working in San Pedro and. On my way in, there I would always see raccoons diving into the sewer at dawn. And I was just like, Los Angeles, from the point of view of a raccoon, would be a pretty good movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, raccoons in the city. Mm-hmm. Like, the people have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> I know, just like, whew, right down, <laughs> out of there. There's one time I was in an attic in Eureka, and I feel like a pest control company was involved somehow, but I can't remember exactly how. But it was this guy, he had recently moved to Eureka and just bought this house, you know, a few months back. Um, and he, uh, there were raccoons in the attic, and they, the mom had was gotten out of the attic, and it was all boarded up, so she couldn't get back in was the thinking they didn't know they were babies um but the mom had spent uh, he called us because all night long there was a desperate raccoon climbing everywhere digging at the walls of his house and he's like i think i messed something up and uh i went out there and it took a minute to like figure out how to get up into the attic and um couldn't see exactly where he thought the babies were because he's like then he had started he had heard baby noises also i guess up there i can't remember exactly all the details but where he thought they were, like, he couldn't access that place. It was, like, narrow and, like, a garage and an attic add-on thing. Um, and I was up there, and I was just like, I got the feeling that there was... And one vent had initially had gotten pulled out over the night. And the entire time I was up there, I just got this feeling like, I'm alone up here. There's no one up there. There's no... I just... I, there's no sounds, and I just felt like I was alone. It didn't feel like there were babies anywhere. But I had to make sure, so I'm all looking around, and I get to the far end of the attic where the vent was that got pulled out. And there's this perfect little dried, like had been muddy but was dried, raccoon footprint <laughs> on right underneath the vent. And I was like, Mom got the baby, she's out of here, they're fine. <laughs> but I just, I just, I wish I had taken a photo of that footprint because I think of that footprint often. So, that is awesome. It was like her mark, like, we're good, I'm out. <laughs> It was probably a curse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she didn't know I was coming. <laughs> as a mark for all future raccoons, do not use this as a den. It's not safe. Yeah. I've always wondered if there's such a thing as, like, you know, hobo sign among uh, wild animals. Oh. Um, Since. 
That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Sense, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're always smelling whatever they have done. First time I thought of P-Mail, I was like, I'm a genius! And then it turned out I was like the 17 millionth person to have that idea. People with dogs. Mm. Oh, look, he's checking his P-Mail. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was uh, something, let me see if I can get it to pop back into my mind that you were saying. Oh, um, when you talked about the the beating the pest control there. Laura and I went on a call when I we worked for uh, International Bird Rescue. We were down in Fairfield. And there were ducklings in a, what had been a motel had been converted to apartments. Mm-hmm. California's full of that. Yep. But it had a swimming pool. Okay. And the people there were like right out of a Shyamalan movie. It was fantastic. <laughs> it really, it was like, it was like stepping, it wasn't as pretty lit and multi-storied as Lady in the Water, but it was the same cast, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and we get there, and we're like, oh, there's the ducks, and everybody's very, very, very concerned. They're like, the ducks have been in the water for a day! And we're like, ducks are okay in the water. That's not the problem. <laughs> but the pool, you know, so like we're, we're working with them. And, but we're there like, what, we were there like two minutes? And this dude in a pair of, like, Ranger Rick shorts and hiking boots carrying a short-handled net like he's going to land a trout onto his boat, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever, sea trout. Because he's in a boat in the ocean. Picture him, in, but actually he's in Fairfield, and he's on land, and he's completely dressed like a dork with a short-handled net, and he starts stalking around the pool like he's gonna, like he's the crocodile hunter or something. <laughs> like he's gonna dive in there and wrestle those babies to their death. And um, he scares the mom away immediately. Somebody had called him, and he responded, and he did not, he wasn't like, oh, there's people here already working on this, let's coordinate, see if I can help. See, if, He just came in, oh, I've got this one, and he's like, pounding around the pool, the mom flew off, and he's like, well, there's nothing that can be done, and he basically left. And then Laura was like, we was like, oh, well, the mom's gonna come back. Yeah. She flew a big circle, she's coming back, and she did, and then Laura was like, what if we just take this chaise lounge and put it upside down over one corner of the pool? And we did, and mom took her babies under there, and then we scooped them out with a net. (laughs) (laughs) And it was slick as duck poop. (laughs) Pretty slick. Let me make a few of their frog savers or something I see advertised on the interwebs. Sometimes they're like little floating mesh things that attach to the edge of the pool for like frogs or little animals to get out of the pool, like makes a little ramp for them to get out. That's cute. So they don't drown. They can sell that. Uh huh. A stick would work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a pool floaty attached to the edge of your pool would work. <laughs> I mean, we have pools, our filters yeah. and all. We have, have sticks in all of them, them. <laughs> so the guys that are trapped get out. <laughs> yes. But, you know, we're also not making money, are we? Nope. So who are we criticizing? <laughs> Nobody. people see a raccoon or see a skunk and like their first thought is that that skunk's gonna come charging after them attack them kill their cats and take over their house (laughs) like that skunk that raccoon the opossum they're scared of you they may not move they're not gonna move when you first see them they're like oh i threw stuff at him or i shined a light at him and it's like well he's not gonna like turn and show you his back and run away instantly he's gonna freeze face you and you back away and he's gonna take off 
Um, the minute it looks safe. Yeah, mm-hmm. like... Unless there's a sandwich involved. <laughs> or a bowl of cat food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. cats inside. But uh, yeah, like the, like, the number of people who are just, like, don't, like, think that the animals are going to come attack them just because they saw them. They're like, I saw him, he's got to go. They don't live here. Guy in front of yeah. here. Like, oh, there's skunks on the edge of my property that I never go to, and they were denning under a board. I've left at the board, saw him, and I haven't been out there in, like, a year. And, but they don't belong here. I'm in Fortuna or Ferndale or wherever it was. It's like, they kind of, you're not even in the city. You're, like, you're in skunk habitat. I feel like that's a huge misconception. People don't think that they are surrounded, literally, by all manner of wildlife and that yeah. they're not going to come onto their property or that they they do they just don't notice them mm-hmm. it's like when we did the stuff with the kids in the last time like what is wild and having all the kids you know describe what wild is or where mm-hmm. wild is that was fun like wild is here yeah like backyards here <laughs> yeah <laughs> A uh, common misconception that I thought of is that they're gonna stay there forever oh yeah they live there. They're never going to leave. Nature deficit disorder is real. Um, you know, people think that birds in the wintertime are, oh, it's raining, they're just staying in their nest. Right. Birds don't, the only time they have a nest, right, is when they're... Babies. They have babies, but nests are for babies. running through the house between the floors of the first and second floor and destroying the insulation and destroying everything yeah defecating everywhere yeah our culture is very disconnected from nature and the earth that we live on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like people watch programs like National Geographic and don't understand that we live on that same planet exactly yeah (laughs) we do you have to show up here and to a for, to a certain extent put what you can see with your own eyes about the future of our society and its place in nature here on this earth and you have to kind of put that aside and act like what we do today is going to is helping either combat that or per, at least keep an alternate thing open mm-hmm. i sort of feel like we have our job here on this side of the future is to ensure that our field and our knowledge that we've worked hard to get and has come all of it, every piece of it has come at the sacrifice of a wild animal who didn't make it. Everything we've learned, every improvement has been because of something we did that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And to lose that is horrifying because of the sacrifices that went in to get it. So I'm just like, well, we're going to have to figure out ways to make sure that our knowledge survives whatever cataclysm 
happens. Which is funny because I used to ridicule that perspective back during the 80s and they were talking about making a nuclear priesthood so that there would be people in the future that knew where the nuclear waste sites were and what they meant because they were concerned that 10,000 years from now they'd still be dangerous Mm -hmm. but that nobody would necessarily understand that language anymore. Uh, and they were like, so we need a nuclear priesthood. That's what This was under the Reagan years, and that's what they were talking about. And back then I was like, we do not need a nuclear priesthood. We need to stop making nuclear waste. Hmm. Right? right? But now I'm like, we need a wildlife rehab priesthood. We <laughs> <laughs> figured a different name for it. For the most part, I mean, obviously there's certain situations that we encounter a lot, but people are more understanding when it comes to birds, too. The 28-day turnaround probably yeah, has a lot like, to do with yeah, that. It's really <laughs> short-term, and it's usually just, like, poop. They're yeah. like... Yeah. Right. They're not chewing the wires. They're not peeing on the insulation. No. Uh-huh. Which doesn't happen anyways. No. It, <laughs> um, it doesn't... But that would... Oh, right. Back in common misconceptions. Yeah. <laughs> Another one that's, like... Not when we... I mean, it's one we deal with. I guess the, what I'm thinking of is uh, people who, on the other end, they want the raccoons, they want the skunks around them, so they, like, you know, intentionally feed them. Oh. And and then, like, you know, which causes problems of its own. You know, it's like it's good-intentioned, but it causes its own problems, and then we start getting the neighbors called because yeah, like- the neighbors have, you know... And it's almost harder to convince the people who feed these skunks and raccoons to stop than it is to convince people who have skunks or raccoons on their property to leave, you know, getting people to stop feeding and to realize that that is causing a problem. Well, you know, because when you're asking people to don't, you're hearing noises, okay, you've got, you know, you are, you're you're just, you, you have a month left. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to move out. Is again, it's and whereas the other person who's feeding them doesn't ha- like that person only has to change their behavior for a month. The person who's feeding, you're like saying, this is something that you love, and we're taking it away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we could really like kind of go on. Like, imagine if we had more of this here. And this was a round table at a conference where we were all sipping, you know, mojitos. Just mm-hmm. as a thought. Um, we can't sip mojitos in masks. You've been listening to New Wild Review. New Wild Review is a project of Bird Ally X. This was Season 2, Episode 2, Humane Solutions, Part 1. This episode was produced by Monty Merrick and... Featured Lucinda Adamson, Brooke Brown, and Nora Chapman. Next episode of this podcast will present the second half of this roundtable discussion. Look for it soon. <laughs> <laughs>